The opinions expressed in these interviews are not necessarily those of YYC Records and its subsidiaries. There's no doubt about it. And that's like, let's, let's look at the concept of love. <laughs> let's bring this up a notch. You know, it's like, no, but like, if you're going to love someone, you got to commit to it. You know, like you're not, you're going through more than just like a day. You know, you got to be with people, relationships, whatever it may be. Like you go through hard times, good times, you take it all. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. the same as the practicing, like, because, like I've spent countless hours behind the piano. I look at, you know, honestly, like that's, that's, that's my release. If I have a moment, I'll go downstairs to the piano ever since I've been two, three years old. So there's, there's no lack of practice. There's no lack of training. There's no lack of education. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I 100% say go behind that. Now, I would simply say everybody's got their own story. So you got to kind of figure out what your, what your path is. Because I know people that took zero music lessons, some of my favorite musicians, and it, it, it influences their style. I know a lot of people that took know all the music knowledge, and that influences their style, and they're some of the best musicians I know. Complete opposite end of the spectrum, both awesome for different reasons. Right? So you just gotta find your own voice, your own path. Welcome to another episode of YYYC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Why What Why Seek, a show where we uncover, discover, and present to you the talent shaping Calgary urban identity. Oh, my mic just fell. <laughs> oh my. Um, in today's episode, we meet with the one and only Chris Merrick, founder of the one and only One Big Jam. Doctor, entrepreneur, humble family man. What an amazing interview of uh, the people that run the behind the scene. Enjoy. Chat to you guys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of YYYC, a show where we uncover, discover, and present to you the talent shaping Calgary urban identity. In today's episode, we meet with the one and only Chris Merrick, a.k.a. Mind of Merrick. Mind of Merrick, there you go. Mind of Merrick. Where did you get Mind of Merrick? All, almost all my ideas are just random thoughts. And if as long as I hang on to something, I'm like, there it is. Yeah. I, I just kind of wait until something comes to my mind. Okay. You're nice so it just, it just hit me. Like, and I sit there, I just play around with, like, I just juggle ideas. Mm -hmm. And finally, I'm like, yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's as simple as that. Yeah. Mind of Merrick. All right, well, thanks for joining us and accepting our invitation. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Oh, well, and thank you. you. Well, I appreciate you. You're one of the one big jam founder. Should we hug? Like, is that what we're... Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we won't hug, but we, you know, we did hug when uh, it was a quick high hug. Absolutely. How was, um, how was your new year? Happy new year, you know? You know, it was kind of perfect, you know, in the sense of, you know, like, as we were talking, I'm a family man now, so it's like... The whole Christmas break between work and going back to work was just like, you know, family, family, some friend stuff, hanging out with like immediate family. And then it went by like this. It really did. But uh, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Quick and short. I could, I could, oh, no, I can use a couple extra weeks. <laughs> <laughs> can we all? Yeah. Uh, I'll get there to some of this question on us getting into our crazy week here. Um, but uh, just to jump you into our, our interview here, my first question to you will be, because you're from what I've heard, a phenomenal uh, artist, 
Um, and I've seen you perform before, or like orchestrate. Yeah. And, and I want to touch on, on the beginning of Chris Merrick. And mm -hmm. my question to you will be, uh, do you remember your first music teacher, if you ever had one? Yeah. <laughs> no, this is going to be the strangest thing you ever heard. My first... And I wouldn't say music teacher, but like influence. Let me start with that. Okay. So I can absolutely give you both. But I think the first music influence, if people knew, if people remember this guy, they'd be like, that makes so much sense. Yeah, I don't know. What's his name again, actually? It's Don. If you remember Sesame Street, way, way back, this is like, I would have been like two years old probably. So it's like 1981. And there was a guy, Don Music is his name, Don Music. And he used to play. And then he'd get mad because he'd forget his song and he'd bang his head on the piano. Look it up, Don Music, Sesame Street. And when you see Don Music, a lot of people compare me to a Muppet when I play, oddly yeah. enough. I look like one. And so <laughs> that was my first, I, and I swear, like I used to watch TV, run to the other room, we had a piano, and I'd smash my head on the piano. That's <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's so funny because like you I, that was like the muse, like yeah. like just making noise or yeah. something. Like what was what was about the energy? The energy because I thought it was funny, you know. Mm -hmm. And they, but uh, without getting like too like in depth, like it just showed me like yeah, just just love it, love it. And this one is you know, this one is contentious as maybe right now. I'll, I'll be honest, like one of my biggest music influences growing up as a kid. And take this as you will. It was Bill Cosby. Like watching the Cosby show, watching Fat Albert, especially Cosby show. He had musical genius after musical genius on that mm -hmm. show. And I just remember as a kid just being like, wow. And he's watching some other stuff like, okay. And he'd go back to the Cosby show like, wow, Stevie Wonder. You had like, you know, like, oh man, I can go on and on. But like, like you I'm just drawing a blank right now. That's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> you know, like, like uh, you know, those BB King, like that episode was just like killer. Was a, I can't remember his name. It was a tap dancer. like, challenge. Like, there's a certain moments that Cosby show that complete, like Stevie Wonder and the synthesizer. I don't know if you've seen that episode where he samples know. everybody mm -hmm. and he samples the family. Baby, baby. Oh, I watched too much of Cosby. Yeah. And oddly enough, like obviously a lot of time on social media, I'm like, jam it on the one. That comes from Theo. He's like, jam it on the one. J -j 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 jam it on the one. Stevie Wonder sampling the family. That was pivotal. Like to me, I was like, what is this? That, that completely influences how we teach when we do like the method session side of things because you put kids in front of a sampler, it just lights them up, you know? Then, you know, growing up, like yeah, my older well, my sister, I shouldn't say older sister because it's my sister, uh, growing up was, um, she played piano and my oldest brother was, uh, he kind of played piano. And it was interesting because they were very different in how they did it and like I just watched them and then my first official teacher was, actually, I'm going to give a shout out to Daniel Moran. He's a... Uh, Give him a shout out. One of the best influences as a kid my age could have. Because I just played piano and eventually was like, yeah, put this kid in lessons, right? So we kind of had uh, friends from mm -hmm. like the church and stuff. And like he he's now like on the world circuit, like classical and all sorts of stuff. The guy's just beyond phenomenal. Like he, he does things that are just on. Uh, he, he grew up in Calgary. Like his family's based from Calgary, but I'm not sure where he is exactly right now. Okay. I know he's bounced around a few different parts of the world. But he is the one that made it, like, relaxed. Because I was like, lessons. I'm like, here, it's all formalized. And Because he was young at the time, you know? Mm -hmm. I think he would have been, I'm guessing, like, somewhere between, I can't remember exactly what, even what age this was. I'm saying, let's say he was, like, 17 or something, like 16. And I remember him telling me that, uh, even, actually, I would bounce ahead later down there. He called me. He's like, are you still practicing? I'm like, no. He's like, why not? 
I was like, you know, I play. He's like, then you're practicing. And it was something about him saying that. I was like, yeah. Because he made me look at it like, you don't have to sit there and like follow the course, all this type of stuff. He's like, just love your music. Interesting. And he was the one of the most passionate, most incredible musicians I've ever met in my life. I love your music. Is what yeah. you, that's the biggest takeaway yeah. you got from him. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's interesting because they, so then what's your thought process on the 10,000 hour practice? Because mm -hmm. you just grabbed the guitar here before we started and it was <laughs> like, wow. Okay, there's something going on here now that maybe me not playing, right? But like, it seems fascinating. What's your view on the practicing if it's just about loving music? Because on my end, I tend to get a bit frustrated when it comes to uh, uh, not seeing result quick. We're such in a, yeah. in a, you know, get it tomorrow mindset in today's world. So what's, what's your view on that? If you don't practice as much, but still maintain that really good. Oh, the practice is key. There's no doubt about it. And that's like... Let's, let's look at the concept of love. <laughs> let's bring this up a notch. You know, it's like, no, but like, if you're going to love someone, you got to commit to it. You know, like you're not, you're going through more than just like a day. You know, you got to be it with people, relationships, whatever it may be. Like you go through hard times, good times, you take it all. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. the same as the practicing. Like, cause, like I've spent countless hours behind the piano. I look at, you know, honestly, like that's, that's, that's my release. If I have a moment, I'll go downstairs to the piano ever since I've been two, three years old. So there's, there's no lack of practice. There's no lack of training. There's no lack of education. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I 100% say go behind that. Now, I would simply say everybody's got their own story. So you got to kind of figure out what your, what your path is. Because I know people that took zero music lessons, some of my favorite musicians, and it, it, it influences their style. I know a lot of people that took you know, all the music knowledge, and that influences their style, and they're some of the best musicians I know. Mm -hmm. Complete opposite end of the spectrum, both awesome for different reasons. Right, right. right? So you just got to find your own voice, your own find path. Okay, find your old voice, ladies and gentlemen, with the one and only Chris Merrick. This is getting yeah. deep for a Saturday it's, morning. Yeah, <laughs> those are the YORC interviews. You know, other people might be a little, you know, on the on the surface. Us, we tend to go uh, quite deep. Gonna have a quick shout out here to the people who join us. We have Kirsten Bromley out here. We got Ryan Rubix. What's good, Rubix? Yeah, Rubix. Jonas, uh, Jamila Jemma, shout out to you. The people who join us. I'm gonna get into my second question here, and that's. You tell me that you moved to Calgary when you were one years old. Yeah. Uh, and now you tell me that you, it was your release piano since three years old, which is quite incredible. Uh, Calgary has changed a lot. How was growing up in Calgary? Uh, like how few stuff that you can share with the people about growing up uh, here in Calgary. And There's so many different aspects to take, I think, from Calgary. So I'll, I'll try to give you, I, I think I know what you're asking me, so I'm going to try to answer it in the way that maybe you're maybe looking for. Calgary's a great city. It always felt like little big town growing up. Like it felt like everybody kind of knew each other in a weird kind of way. And it was like, you know, if you guys remember the Hello Calgary, which apparently that song has been used in all different cities throughout the world, which is really like a hard moment. <laughs> when you realize, you know what I'm talking about, which song no, about? No, no, I moved here in 2012, yeah. so that's okay. some of the reason I don't know too much about. Oh, there's that. Hello, Calgary. That was like the theme song of Calgary. Oh, you realize yeah. everybody in the world used that. <laughs> I was like, it was so dirty. It's like you find out that, you know, the girl you love is like, yeah, she's been to other cities. Um, <laughs> but uh, so um, like it just had that that energy, right? And so... I would be honest, like, even though there was, a, there was diversity in Calgary, it was kind of not that diverse. Mm 
And then mm. it's interesting because it was, they're kind of, I felt there was a shift in Calgary. And, and these are, I don't think these are necessarily go hand in hand, but like kind of being more big city, like we're kind of hitting the million person mark and people seemed less connected. What I lo- oh, okay. yeah, and what I love to see in a big influx since about say I'm just guessing mid '90s or something and onward, way more uh, just people coming to the city from different cultural backgrounds, different countries, all this type of stuff, and so you see a lot more diversity in Calgary. I personally love that. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like I won't lie, I was like it's about time, you know. And then interestingly enough, in time, like I feel like, and maybe just because I have a different experience, especially doing one big jam is that this still has that little big town feel, like your maximum two, three separations from anybody else. You know, it's right, like, right, right. and social media is probably responsible for that too. So you know somebody, but we both have mutual friends or something, yeah. or we both mutually work on music projects, right? So that's what I was about to say about Calgary. It's got, um, it's just got this really great community and opportunity. And I talk a lot about this where it's like, this kind of comes like a plus and minus. I do have my, not, I wouldn't say criticisms per se, but I do see where Calgary, in my opinion, needs to step up. Mm. And so what I see is we have a lot of resource in terms of raw talent. I think we have ridiculous resource in terms of infrastructure and all this type of stuff. Infrastructure might not be the right word, but like just like assets, you know, be it like people, businesses, money, all this type of stuff. For me, what I feel like we need more of is connection. Mm-hmm. I think we need to uh, really find more avenues and opportunities that are outside of the usual beaten paths to kind of get together. Yeah, yeah, so okay. that's my three cents yeah. of Calgary right there. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there because that's a very, very important um, subject is where can we go from there? Because everybody seems to see the opportunity. So yeah. for some reason, there is a little something that seems to be lacking. But I'll get there mm-hmm. uh, in, in this question. You mentioned one big jam, which mm-hmm. is uh, I was fascinated the first time I went to the first one big gym. I've heard it before, didn't go to the first few one, got invited, you invited me to one of them. And uh, it's like, what the, what's a one big gym? <laughs> what does he mean? Like people, everybody comes and everybody. We gotcha. And, and I get there and I'm like, wow, he actually is, you know, orchestrating all this life as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, one big jam. Do you remember where you were when you came up with this idea? And yeah. how did the first one go? Absolutely. Please share that with us. Absolutely. That, that's the story. I almost have to. Every time I tell anybody about one big jam, I have to always say the first night. Because that gives you context into, like, it's grown into something bigger. So, mm-hmm. like, to understand where it came from is so important to understand, like, the core of where we're going with this. So, there was a show we were supposed to do at this uh, small Jamaican restaurant. It was a friend of ours. And the show kind of fell through near last minute, a couple of weeks in advance. And we're like, you know, sorry, this is like for a lot of reasons, it's not working out. And uh, so the manager was just like, we need to do something. And I was like, well, like, what do you want to do? He's like, I don't know. We need something. So I said, I'll help you out. Like, it was right before Christmas. So like, let's switch everything. Let's do a fundraiser. That way people, it's right before Christmas. Like, let's do something for the food bank. Were you working at the place? No. Nope. Oh, just friend, just friend was a manager, yeah. And so I was like, let me make some phone calls. And at that time, I was recently just introduced to what I just call the gospel community in Calgary, which I didn't realize even existed. And hands down, some of the most talented musicians we have in the city. People that I was like, I've been, I wish I knew you my whole life type of thing. And great people too, like Mm -hmm. people I just love. And so I was like, 
And uh, interesting, I, I mentioned the gospel community because at that time... Shout out to the gospel community. No, I, you know, it's important because for me growing up, I always wish we had that in Calgary, not knowing we always had that in Calgary. And this is a key because this one I'm talking about that disparate kind of elements in the city. Those, without getting to how I got involved with that, it was like, um, I just remember that we all got along. We, we clicked and they're like, I was like, you guys are some of the best musicians. This is some of the best music I'm seeing in the city. And they're like, we like what you're doing. How we go play downtown? I'm like, you don't want that. Like, what you have is great. They're like, no, we want to go downtown. It's like, let's go downtown. <laughs> Literally, that's what it was. So it was like, I called a lot of the people I met through there. And, you know, I've had my experience dealing with a lot of different music scenes. Like, be it like the rock scene, like the jazz scene, hip hop scene, blues scene, so on and so forth, classical and on and on. So I was like, let's just call everybody up and see what happens. Because we had no time to plan an event. So I was like, let's make it a fundraiser and let's call everybody together, which likens to when we did that, the big holiday special last year at the Palace. It was ex we took the exact same format, but exploded it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what it was. Everybody got there and there was about 100 people, which was crazy. I couldn't believe that. And the talent in the room was unreal. And I just remember it was like right before it started, like I was like, hey, showtime. And every, all the musicians were looking at me, they're like, I didn't care. I was like, I was like, let's just kind of go with it. Because I knew what my plan was, which was no plan. <laughs> Good one. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, and no, but all the musicians are looking at me like, so what do we do? I was like, I counted them off. Like three, four, and it's like, go. And then the night just went. And it just, it's just, and like, everybody was like, wow. So we did it again. And it was like, and then that, that, that venue eventually closed. And so it was like, and it was soon after when we were just about to hype it up. And then, so we took it to another venue and that those went great. There wasn't kind of like an issue there in terms of like, again, like how, how like logistics, you know, not, not with the event. So we took it to another venue. It just kept on bouncing and growing and getting to a bigger venue. So what ended up happening was everybody's like, when's, when's the next jam? When's the jam? When's the jam? When's the, and I kept on saying that. I'm like the jam, the jam. So it became the jam. Now it's like, keep in mind, this is just like completely word of mouth, like just people getting together for the sake of it. This is before any concept of like an organization of it. It was just me making phone calls and uh, wow. the jam. That's what we called it for years. Then eventually I was like, this is turning into something bigger and people want more of it. So I was like, I knew we couldn't use the jam. It's been trademarked a million times. So mm -hmm. we need to come up with a name. And uh, going back, you asked the Mind America thing, like to give you an idea of the thought process. It's like how one big jam It's like, uh, again, just throwing a bunch of ideas. Like, what can we use? And it's a Chili Peppers song like called One Big Mob off of uh, when they had... Um, playing guitar why am I drawing blank Dave Navarro and that was the album that like it was kind of like love or hated album I loved it I thought yeah. it was a great album and they had a song called One Big Mob I was singing it up. I was at work like One Big Mob dun, dun, dun. I was like One Big Mob One Big Jam I was like stop <laughs> stop, stop typing I was like write that down Google it nothing Facebook nothing like, oh, Instagram before I was like I was like and so I went out and just started buying all the domains I was like and so I was like there we're calling it One Big Jam and we did this long transition period about between the two we got One Big Jam presents the jam mm -hmm. so that way people understood that it was just continuous and it was meant to be so we had to kind of legitimize it so we couldn't use the jam that's why it became One Big Jam but I think that really orchestrates the idea wow good job because like no it's like, I'm, and I, I'm it's like as you tell the story I'm like oh, right like was <laughs> Have you ever done any improvisation before mm -hmm. or jazz? Oh, okay. oh, absolutely. Like, that's what I, okay. like, okay, okay. going back, like, so I used to play piano at the church, right? And it's funny because, like, uh, you know, growing up, like, you know, my, like said, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, like, you know, like, my mom's very religious, you know, and we grew up, you know, in the, in the school system, Catholic school system. And I, like I said, there's so much I take that I, so many fond memories of it. So I played piano at the church because, like, it just seemed to be an outlet. And so, like, they invited me. I'm like, sure. But me being me, 
I didn't like rehearsing. Like I loved playing on the day of, but I didn't want to come to rehearsals. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I'm not a morning person, as you noticed this morning. <laughs> um, and so I would just kind of come in. I'm like, and I realized I was like, how am I going to do this? Because I liked it, but I didn't want to do all the extra work. I'll be blunt, honest. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, and one day I looked at the guitar music. I'm like, okay, I get what chords are. So I'm like, just give me the guitar music, like right before we go, and then we'll go. And so I just show up. Like we had like a quick little pre-rehearsal, like a half an hour thing, and they're like. The director's like, I don't know. I she's like, okay, he's handling it. So that's what we did for, I did that for a total of like on and off for seven years. And so I just take the guitar music and improvise and just kind of, and like it was a little bit simpler music and stuff, but that's, that's where actually a lot of the improvising, well, just me sitting at the piano, I used to just make up music as a kid. Mm -hmm. And that came from, like I said, my oldest brother when I was saying he kind of had his own approach to music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he just sit there like, look at this, and he just kind of make up stuff on the spot. And I was enthralled in this idea of like, just make stuff up on the spot. Amazing, the way. Well, it's amazing because like some people may be a bit more. I don't want to jump into it. I'm a little scared. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. But what I've seemed to take away from you is just give it a try. Find your path. You will find your path. Just, just start. Like, what's the most difficult thing uh, uh, that you ran into uh, orchestrating one big jam? It's a big challenge. You know what I love about it is like it, it was a pretty fluid process. Now that I think came from, here's a fancy word of the day, trepidation, like going into every step of the way, like just being a little bit like, should we do this? Like, and so like, I, I never tried to just jump the shark right off the get-go. It was like, let's just kind of build it slowly, you know? So it was a pretty smooth process, but I think for me personally, I'll say this honestly, the one of the biggest challenges is that as it kept on growing, we had we were at Ubu Lounge for a lot, and that's where kind of got its like roots, same as Ten at Ten. Like we were like two weeks apart from Ten at Ten all the time. Shout out to Benny. Um, it's like, and I have mad respect for him and everything. Like we always like consulted with each other, make sure that our schedules were never like it was, it was always interlocking. Like it was a very good partnership there. Um, because we had a lot of overlap in our communities, right? So Ubu shut down, we tried something else, then we tried Winos that time, which is now gone. And Winos, that was one of my favorite ones. Because I remember we invited a bunch of people. I never really considered all the logistics. And the manager, who never knew us, because we had uh, in between to kind of bring us into the Winos, he comes up like an hour. He's like, it's like there's like 150 people that uh, RSVP. And I'm like, huh? Like, we only hold 80. I'm like, oh, I'm like, it shouldn't be. You know, it's like, usually, who, like, you know, usually have like 80, 80 people or 80 people interested, 30 show up. Yeah, right, right. Weird thing about One Big Jam is usually the opposite. It's like, you know, like 100 people interested, 200 people show up. So like, and sure enough, uh, he was panicked a little bit because uh, I think they had to turn away about something like 30 people at the door because it was like, wait, we were overbooked that night. And you know, they're out of business now, so I'll tell the honest truth. He was like, we're over fire code. And it was, it was like, it was like a rum commercial. Like people like armed, arms sweating. Like it was, it was beautiful. Like it shouldn't have happened, but it was one of my favorite nights we did. And he came up and... Real quick, I, I like saying this because this is one of my favorite stories. Like, because it exemplifies what the comms we a lot. He was like, you know, what? I was really afraid of tonight. Mm. But he's like, your patrons are fantastic. He's like, I deal with a lot of different events, and like, some are too snooty, some are really kind of rough around the edges. He's like, your patrons were cool. Mm -hmm. And the weird thing about One Big Jam is like, I know, like, I kind of get the credit of being director, but like, I, I'm, I'm a patron myself, so it's like this is something outside of me. It's this community that's just regarded as like very diverse, naturally, age, you know, background, all the that, but also just this energy of positive people. Like, one, some of the most negative comments we get from a venue is like, "You guys didn't drink that much." I'm like, "Yeah, no, but like, you know, like you guys did okay on sales." But I mean, like, because what happens is people come to enjoy the event and they'll have some drinks, 
but it's not a drinking night. It's not like let's just drink and party and go crazy. It's yeah. like so. The reason I'm just a quick side step. Um, uh, I brought that up is because, like I said, that, that was the point where I was like, okay, we need a bigger venue. But getting a bigger venue turned into logistical issues. Like I had to, that's when we went to Festival Hall, bless them, because like, <laughs> kind of cold call them. Like I was like, yeah, so I'm a guy and I do this stuff and I don't have a website or anything. I'm like, cool. And they're like, okay, we'll give you a shot. But the difference is then we had to start paying. All right. So we, we, we went from getting like maybe a couple hundred bucks, like what, two, three hundred bucks just to kind of run the event, which is easy. So everybody... I'd share like $20, $30 amongst myself and all the other musicians. Like, let's just kind of page everybody 30 bucks or something like that. Just so it's like, you know, at least you got as much as I did. Um, and then we suddenly were like, I'm out of pocket, you know? So the first one we did as like a volunteer paid lost like, let's say 300 bucks, 400 bucks, something like that. Wow. People are generous, but not generous yeah. enough to kind of fit the bill, you know? Yeah. And so then that was the hardest part because I was like, we have to start charging. And that, that I didn't like it because imagine you go to a jam and like, why am I paying? I'm a musician. I'm like, I get it. I'm like, because then we realized we had to kind of differentiate ourselves now as this new concept, this new product where people gladly, patrons gladly play, but I didn't, I never wanted to be, I always wanted to show to the artists, like you are welcome here. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want you to kind of pay because the problem is with such a big event, let's say you come up and you're like, I'm, I'm the hot new guitar player. You might get a chance to go on stage, but it might be, not be that long. You don't get, maybe for you personally, you're like, well, it was cool. Mm -hmm but I didn't play as much as I wanted. I'm like, why did I pay? So what we try to really do is we try to have like kind of effect, effectively artist tickets so with the comps okay. and we curate those because we have to, we have, we have to very manage, we have to manage numbers, right? But what it gives us a situation where we just try to break even at this point, um, plus or minus $200 every single time. Like, there you go. Everybody knows now the, <laughs> the business model. Like, it's not it's successful. Not there. Yeah, no. Like, and, and I'll, that's something people need to know. I think so. Like the reason, because, because, and I'm touching on this and uh, intervening here just because mm -hmm. you talked about like the overlap between, you know, in our community. So a bit with you and like uh, Benny, uh, but also the, the issue that we have in Calgary, the, also the fact that some people are way too busy, like they're not going to attend certain event. Yeah. But then we also say that Calgary is the next New York. We're having that discussion a bit upstairs where we mm -hmm. want it to be because you have a million people. It's the, the third most populated or young city here in Canada. Uh, you should have an urban scene that's flourishing. And for some reason, it's not. And us who are in the behind the scene uh, trying to make people understand that, well, for it to work, you need some money. <laughs> yep. to, to, and then you need time. But people are supportive but are not supportive mm -hmm. at the same time. But from the outside, you have a vision or you have an impression that's just amazingly successful. Some people outside will be like, I want to do what Chris Merrick is doing. Okay, well, do you know what it takes mm -hmm. to do, you know, what, we, what we're doing? Uh, uh, and it's, it's, thank you for being so open, like sharing the business model. <laughs> that, uh, what do you think is needed for it to change for more support? And it, actually, before I get to like, what do you need? Because that's going to be like, kind of like close to my, my last question. Um, how much music or time goes into you organizing one big jam and how does that inflict with your regular day-to-day -day life God. okay you know what you guys want to know so you guys got the kind of behind the scenes of like because a lot of people think we make a lot of money right because we have these wildly successful events lately and the reality is we don't make a lot of money we actually you know always like i said plus or minus and uh, full disclosure i want everybody to know like we absolutely are about the community. We want to support the artists. We want to make these uh, great experiences. 
I'm hoping in the long run it can become a business venture. We're, we're always tossing up this idea, should it be a non-for-profit, should it be a business? And here it is, this bare, like bare facts. I would rather be a business that becomes a non-for-profit rather than become a non-for-profit that eventually becomes a business being, just kidding, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> you're somebody, exactly. So I would rather start like, you know, we're, we're a business, we're, as a business, we're, not a like you know we're not making money like it, this is this is about community i want people to understand it but as we start moving forward we have these ideas like how can we make this bigger and better now to answer your question uh is more about my personal challenge is that i have kids young kids you know five and two five and three sorry she just turned three um and so that's my life i love my family and my wife and my two kids is like my core so we both work which now that leaves me maybe say 10% of my time of my life, if that. So that, if you imagine that's 2.4 hours a day and I'd take maybe like half or like a quarter of that to establish towards my music projects in general, you know what I mean? And maybe only half of that to one big jam. So I barely have time to do this type of stuff. And, and again, because we can't hire people, like, you know, we have a great team of volunteers, like people like videographers, Wayne Toe, one of the best guys hey, in the city. From Token, Wayne. yeah, from Token. If you guys, Jeez. I'm going to say this right now, Wayne's He's brilliant. Serious. Go to One Big Jam's page and see like our official video from the thing, and you'd be like, "Wow, so that's, him. that's nice. Wayne Toe from Token nice. Productions. Man, he's phenomenal, and he's such a good guy. He gets like the concept." And so then, and, like you know, like I've I've thirty people to thank. I'm just quick shout out to Party Pursuit and Jerome de Gourville. I have to say that right now, Man, and I could go on and on, but I have to give those two guys because they've been at my core in the last like three, four months, more even, um, just to make it happen. So it's very difficult. You, you take you take on the brunt of everything. Um, and this is not me trying to pat myself on the back, especially in early, now I'm able to hand some of it off, like planning the event, inviting the event, marketing the event, graphic design, video, if you want to call it that at early, early days, um, doing the rentals, setting up the stage, playing the music, hosting the event. All these things are just me, like just kind of like trying to like, and it's just like, you know, like I, you, but you're surrounded by supportive people. So it's not just me, I should say. It's like, it's me going like, hey, everybody who wants to do this, let's have a party, mm -hmm. wicked. And so I never want to lose that at the core of what we do. And as we hopefully grow into something a bit more legitimate, as more of a, for lack of better terms, a media company, and I'll get into that later, because um, I really want this to be an opportunity for artists, for all the stakeholders, artists, venues, businesses, and then potentially, like, for lack of better terms, investors, anybody interested in the music scene in Calgary. Mm -hmm. And there's probably more, but between those four stakeholders, I, just, I see this opportunity that's untapped in this city. And this is why I say Calgary is such an awesome opportunity. Nobody wants to tap this. Like, everybody's kind of like, yeah, it's there, I guess. And it's just kind of like these empty lanes here. And so that's where, that's where we're trying to fill in right now. Like, we want to kind of be a handshake away from everybody and just, like, curate these uh, experiences, yeah. let alone events. Yeah. Experiences where people can truly connect. And it's a give-take situation where everybody gives and everybody gets. Yeah. I think I kind of went on a marketing spiel by accident and didn't answer your question. <laughs> but yeah, the hardest part was actually, go, sorry, actually to answer your question was the hardest point for me personally was saying, yeah, we got to charge you guys now for mm -hmm. a jam. Mm -hmm. So we had to turn it into a production. Did you see your sale go down or the amount of people attending go down? Up. Oh, you went up when you started charging? Well, it's, it's hard to say because like, uh, give or take, like I said, that at Festival Hall, like, you know, like that place holds about 200 and we always get a good turnout there. You know what I mean? Like, let's say 150-ish. People are like, you sold 150 tickets? No. I gave away a lot of comps to artists and, you know, people that, like, you know, like it's about making that room. And again, we give the comps to the artists, right? Yeah. Um, 
and so then the palace happened. So the palace was a crazy turning point for us because like the opportunity, I was like, what if we did the palace? Like, and then I was like, that's kind of crazy. So I kind of cold called them and they're like, all right, let's do it. And like, again, that just goes back to the first day. I'm like, I told him it's going to be a fundraiser, legitimately so. And he's like, listen, if you guys do a fundraiser, I'll give you a break on the cost and stuff. We still had to put down, I can't remember exactly how much money, but we had to put down a good amount of money, the most we've ever had to do. And we had to sell tickets. We did all the stuff to kind of beef up the donations. It was for the Boys and Girls Clubs of Calgary. And so basically I was like, I told my team, I'm like, we have six weeks. I'm like, this is crazy. You're crazy. And everyone's like, let's do it. So we did it. So then we were like, how do we imagine it? So like my idea for this at least was like, let's get everybody, like take that exact same concept of the first one. Let's call a bunch of people. And this time we said like all the main music festivals, a lot of music organizations. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, of course, give a lot of the artists free tickets. And like we have to charge a bit more. I can't remember, it was like 20, 25 at the door or something like that. Which is, no, but it's crazy because some people are like, you should be charging 40. Some people are like, what do you mean you're charging 20? You're ridiculous. So we get both. And then um, again, people wonder how the palace went. We practically broke even a little, like a plus 200, I think. I don't think anybody needs to really know this. <laughs> but the one thing, and this is, again, this is not... This yeah, is the business side of things. No, but the reason I want people to know this is because it's not about me. Like, I'm not trying to put myself in this position. I'm talking about what this concept is. It's about the community at the core. Mm-hmm. And so it's like we were able, like, we, we stayed true to our promise. Like, the Boys and Girls Club Calgary got, I think we ended up, it was like fifteen hundred or something like that. We we got we were about so around there. We were able to, and it's not us giving the money. It was like the community because we yeah, had the silent yeah. auctions. We had the donors, and through all that extra money, and we gave half our proceeds to it. That went to Boys and Girls Calgary, and it was like, how come they're getting more? I'm like, because that's what we said. That was that was the agreement we came to ourselves mm-hmm. with. So, again, this is not coming from a place of like yay look at us I'm just it, I want people to understand like what this is and how the inner workings are I have no problem disclosing that until we make millions of dollars then you can right. mind your own business that's <laughs> joking yeah, alright I'll get you into we're getting close to the end of our interview here say it in so um, and there's a few more questions I'll get you into the buzz question and I'll tell you all about it but before we get into that um, you performing to many in many places around town uh, what's your favorite venue? Oh, say? that's too hard. No, the reason why is because I every venue has a vibe and an energy, and I'm very big on the idea of, as an artist or an event, or whatever, you have to work the venue, like you're in a space. So you, it's a symbiotic type of thing. So I love the palace for certain reasons. I love festival because those are two where we take one big jam. Uh, if I had to pick one, I'd say festival hall. Because they, it's just like a black box. You can do whatever you want in there. It's, it's, it's basically, and the sound and the quality in there. The, everybody from the Folk Fest who runs uh, Festival Hall, some of the best people in the city, hands on, Carrie, John, everybody down there. Um, so it's like, no, like legitimately, I love those people. They're, interestingly enough, when we went to Festival Hall, I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to approach them. And it was like, I looked at all the people that happened to just bounce into that day or people I knew from the past 10, 15 years, which were some of my, I was like, people I had deep respect for, and they all culminated in this one space. I was like, mm-hmm. in the offices. And so Festival Hall I love, but I, I would say, um, you know, the, the, the venue at National Music Center is fantastic. But then you go back and it's like, going way back, I loved the Castle Pub. Shout out to John. So like, John was one of the guys at Festival Hall now, right? So like Castle Pub and Small little venue, just kind of had like this dingy kind of punk kind of vibe. And that's a lot because of John and uh, John Hebert. And it's like, 
quick side story. I love this. This is what I love about John. I remember we were supposed to be scheduled for a show. Everything went off, way off the rails. And, you know, Calgary shuts down at 2 o'clock. We never played. It was one fifty-eight, And we're like, oh, we want to play. And John's like, okay, everybody out except for that guy. Because the guy was way too drunk and he couldn't move anyway. So we played that guy after the bar shut down for a 45-minute set. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was just like, and we, we just blew him away. We went 110% all just for one person after the bar was closed. He liked it, yeah, if you can remember it. But, like, uh, <laughs> That's what I love about John and, and the castle. So. Nice. Shout out to John. Yeah, oh, damn straight. He's one of my favorite people in the city. Almost, man, I have, I have one more question for my... my Ten more questions. Question. Let's keep going. All right, let's just Before the bus question, this this is because it just popped into my head. Because uh, you seem to know so many people and that are in the inner working of the city. Uh, YYC is very, or YYC Records is very dedicated to the urban side of Calgary I, I, to me I feel like the folk and country is kind of like taken care of a bit so I wanted to tell mm -hmm. you the urban side we don't see much of it and my, my what, what, what would you be a quick advice to people in the urban side that that are our artists that want to do something but have a bit of a, a blockage reaching out to people not even knowing who to call who to talk how do they go about starting their uh, uh career to an extent but like getting out there more because we're missing that a bit like, i don't think there's a one one response fits all answer depends on what type of, yeah you have to choose your own path so for example let me give you two extreme examples and maybe it's probably somewhere one of them is to of course be a good person and just be friendly you know be professional first of all that's that's be professional regardless of what you do be professional people watch that people don't want to deal with you if you're not professional mm -hmm. meaning that like and I can give you 10 different reasons why you're not professional, different story, different time, but like, be professional. Like you, in the end, it's your name out there and people have to be able to count on you and be consistent. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what you do, you gotta be consistent, you know? Mm -hmm. The other is like the kind of, meant the punk mentality, regardless of what style of music it is, it could be any style, like look at the Johnny Cash or it could be like something from the hip hop community, or whatever, like country, doesn't matter styles, like the, the like, F you, I'm gonna do this my way. Yeah. That's the other approach and that has its own success and has its own path. Realistically, we somewhere in between. It's hard to manage both. They're like, yes, sir, and F you, sir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so somewhere in between, maybe. But like, you know, so I'd say it's like it really depends. You have to kind of decide that for yourself. But you got to own it. You mm -hmm. got to take responsibility for yourself. And don't suck. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I know that sounds practice. Yeah, no, develop yourself. Develop yourself right, right, when I say don't right. suck, I'm not talking about... But it's about... like a fear, because like you say, don't suck, but then that's again the fear that some people have, or that I realize in Calgary, there's two things, the ecosystem that we really don't, I felt like we didn't, we don't have, but I moved here in only 2012, so I, you know, I'm a bit biased in whatever I know so far, but these, that fear of, uh, I'm not good enough, I shouldn't mm -hmm. put myself out there. Because the other people, it seems too good, they're going to judge mm -hmm. me. But then you have the other people that are like, no, 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 I don't know. You have to get started. You need to fail. You need to get yeah. out there, right? So what's the fine balance between the, I suck, I don't want to be out there. No, I'm good enough. I can be out Determination. There. Preach. Well, like I said, I, I, it's funny. A lot of people are like, oh, Chris, you play good music. And I'm like, yeah, I got my own issues. No, and I... I, I I don't know if it's purposely like I I look at what well, going back like I said when I was talking all these like great examples from the college people, like I like yeah like I look at Steve Wonder I'm like I suck you know <laughs> you look at something like uh, like I said Johnny Cash I suck <laughs> you know you look at like uh, D'Angelo I suck yeah I suck compared to them yeah. but but I'm inspired by them too and I think it there's the balance is like you know if we want to get all like 
deep in this. I'm mm-hmm. very big on the constant balance. I think the balance between like being jealous or envious and being appreciative and understanding to be inspired. Mm-hmm. So there's an inspiration and jealousy. And you got to kind of, you'll probably go like this. Mm-hmm. I'm inspired mm-hmm. by this. Oh, I can't do it myself. I'm inspired mm-hmm. by this. And so you got to kind of like, you got to give yourself this, the strength, the exercise. And that's where practicing stuff comes in place to actually be somewhere in the middle. But yeah, and it's funny. Like I do this purposely. This is this is like, this is my opening line. Every because we do the method sessions, teaching stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So regardless if it's eight year old, no, no, we don't have to get that. But like, <laughs> I like saying this to everybody. Like this is my most inspirational message I can give people. You're gonna suck. Mm. Everybody sucks. Mm. That's actually how I open. Like everybody sucks sometimes, if not a lot of the time. I suck a lot. Even like you know when I'm playing. Say, like, you, even if you know something, you're playing piano, you're going, if your hands are cold, you suck. If your mind's somewhere else, you suck. You know, if you're having problems at home, you might suck. You have to be focused in that moment. But then again, you also look at someone who might just play three chords, sing the simplest song, and they're phenomenal, and they're captivating because everything's in there. And the next night, they might suck. And that's why I like the word suck, because like, people go, oh, what if I suck? You're going to. Eat it. Eat it. And feed yourself on that and try not to suck next time. Wow, thank you. Yes, I like that. I'm taking this <laughs> advice. That's something I'm learning. You're going to suck, but just keep, keep pushing, keep pushing. All right, I'll jump you to my bus question. If you guys have any questions, please drop them in the comment. 30 minutes, we're almost done here. If we jump uh, Chris here into our bus question, it's the quick answer. Do you see how big my forehead is? That's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> let me just. Anyway. Right? Only in the interview you discover this. Yeah. <laughs> Look at himself in the mirror every day, but not. <laughs> um, so our bus question, the quick answers. Uh, and okay. uh, let me know if you're ready for my bus questions. Lighting round? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, you go to the club. What's the first drink you order? Depends on the night. Depends, Depends what type of club is. Depends on the show. Yeah, go to gin and tonic. Gin and tonic. Yeah. Remember the first time you tried gin and tonic? Probably not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, second uh, round of our buzz question. Um, I remember my favorite night. I'll tell you. And like, oh, okay. You know, not that it's any bad, but like you know, this is for the adults of the universe. It was a New Year's party, and I remember we, were like, we had a good time. Gin and tonic. And the thing about like gin is like, it just feels different to me. It's like I remember I I had a good time that night. And I was like, well, I'm like, I better like keep myself, you know, vertically here. <laughs> and everybody's like, have a drink. I'm like, what? And I'm like, have a drink, let loose. I'm like, so they, they didn't, nobody thought I was having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was having fun. Yeah. And that's what I liked about it. I was like, I kind of had, gave me this yeah, kind of like well, Superman feel. Not all the time, folks. I'm going to try that one day. Okay, not all the time, though. Um, if you could teleport yourself anywhere in the world right now, where would that be? Oddly enough, and this is going to be a boring answer, probably Calgary, and, and, and because of my family and the support and the friends and the family. Now, if I know that that's the honest answer, mm-hmm. and I love what's happening. Like, I, I see there's an opportunity, this untapped market. That said, I want to bounce around. You know, like, if, if, it was, if I was fully selfish and I could just kind of be, like, in a different world, favorite cities for me, Montreal, Madrid, Berlin. East Berlin, particularly. 
I'm in New York, but I, there's something calling me there. And then, like, I, I look at, like, Rio or Tokyo. Those are two places I haven't been, and they're, they're calling me, too. Okay. So I know that's not a one answer. If I had to pick one, uh, Calgary. Calgary. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess we back to Calgary. Okay. Um, all right. One more question on my bus question. If you could produce any artist, who would that be? This is going to be the weakest answer again. My wife. Oh, really? Well, because we already are. Like, and Lynn, love you. Shout love you, baby. Lynn, hey. She's a phenomenal artist. Phenomenal singer. Everybody knows her singer, but like just her capacity. And the reason why is because she's untapped. You know, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people. So we have a show coming up. Hey, we have a show coming up <laughs> at uh, National Music Center. We're doing a showcase. And we're lucky enough that uh, they invited us to do this Alberta showcase in February. February, first Saturday, I can't remember exactly what day off the top of my head. And they're like, you know, go nuts. And so we're, we're bringing, like, including poets, I think 11, 12 pieces, like some of the best poets and musicians in the city, in my opinion. And it's going to be fire. Like, this is what I love, because it's all original music. So I love creating original music, and I love producing something that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Now, the fancy answer then, like, you find, like, let's, let's, if you could pick someone out there, Erica Badu. Oh, yeah. Okay, I have stuff for her. Just putting it out there in the universe. Yeah, no, putting it out there. We'll, we'll tag yeah. you and tag her in this post. You never know. Give me a shot. Give me a shot. There we go. Wow. Chris Marie Kirk would do that. would be nice. All righty. Well, thanks very much for uh, no, the you, bus no. questions. I, I, I will have three more questions. That's just because some of them popped yeah. into my head as we were doing the bus question. Uh, the first one will be because your wife, you say you're very, you're family man and you kept bringing family. Yeah. Would you share with us? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> How you and Lynn met? Music. So, uh, where we met, if you will, this is a fun story. So, uh, I was in a band, I did this band stuff, and uh, our bass player, who did a lot of, like, the everything, he was like the manager, writer, like, we co wrote, co wrote pretty much a lot of the stuff. Um, he was in class with her at college. And she was like, yeah, I sing. He's like, oh, you sing? She's like, yeah. And she's never, she was super shy. He's like, come sing on her album. We were making an album. She's like, okay. And she's funny. She tells me in hindsight, she's like, I don't know what's going through my mind because she was so shy. And we put her on the spot. I'm like, can you sing this? No. Do you sing this type of music? No. Do you sing this? No. Because we had a really, ver like a varied sound. Do you sing this? No, no, no. O over again. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Hit record, see what happens. And her, the voice, I was like, that, just like, drop everything. Like, whoa. And so then we ended up becoming her backup man. So she was our backup singer. We were her backup band. And so, but oddly enough, like they lived down the street from us. Like I grew up with her brother at school. I remember I used to cut through the yard every day, you know, oddly enough. Yeah. Like, cause they, they're on the way to the grocery store. I had to go, like, we didn't have a car. So I was the grocery runner for, we had a lot of people in the house. So groceries was literally every two days, max, like massive bags and stuff. Yeah. So I'd run through the yard every single day. And I'll never forget the first day I saw her, I was on the bus. I heard this laugh. I'm like, oh, that sounds like Drew. I'm like, but it's a girl, so I can't be him, right? And I look back and I look, I'm like, yeah, that's Drew's sister. Like, it was just weird. And like, this weird part for me is that I remember that like, like such a pivotal, like, like clear memory. And keep in mind, this is like 10, 15 years or whatever before we even got to know each other. And I was like, uh, like I was like, I, don't, I never knew why that stuck in my mind. But 10, 15 later, like, ah. Weird, eh? There you go. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Yeah, sure. That's amazing. You don't know how the duck will get connected. That's what I say. <laughs> you can only look for backward to see how the duck get connected, yeah, not for, for. Okay. 
All right, uh, one more question before my last question. Uh, <laughs> you said that four times. Because right? like, I, I still have so much things that I want to ask, but this is because that's, that's something I plan. Can you uh, uh, share with us who to you are, are some of the most skillful uh, uh, artists here in Calgary that you know? I already said one, so I'm, I'm going to bounce past that. Like, I, I do, I know I'm biased, but Lynn, she honestly has an artist, it's phenomenal. There's so many in the city. Yeah, so some of them don't know in the urban world. So if yeah. you want to reach out to a few people. Now, do you mean people kind of like behind the scenes or kind of like in front of the scenes? No, like... more so uh, in, for this question, more in front of the scene, like so the guitar player, the like. So oh, you want to, it's like, like, oh, I could go on. Uh, Guys, this is, a, this is a list. And so, okay, give me five, five. I want right. five people that come to your mind right now. Okay. You already gave me a Dave list. Dave Lewis. Oh. I, I got to put Dave Lewis out there. That guy is just a musical genius. Shandy. Barry Mason. Guy's a guitar player. Dave on bass and every instrument. Barry on guitar. He plays with so many different groups. They're both in a band coming up right now. So like I'm very selective about that type of stuff. Let's see, like off the top of my head, and this is this is not to to not select other people. I'm just no, gonna no, run. Yeah, it's just, it's just I really good. like what uh, Luis Tovar is doing. El Pana, like he's a percussionist. Yeah, yeah and he's a, he plays with so many different people. Great guy. But I like lately what he's doing. He's really pushing the limits of kind of like even like what you're hearing in the city right now so i really appreciate what he's doing i don't know, like i look at uh kate melvina she's a uh, just like has so many talents and so many different like i just i look at her going back to this like envy appreciation type thing i look at her I'm like how can you be so good at so many things you know Okay. Great person too. Oh, in Calgary. Oh, these are all. Cal oh, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm naming Calgary musicians on purpose. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a part of it. One more. One more. Oh, one more. You know, I I have a mad appreciation. I've said this also already today. It's like I have a mad appreciation appreciation for Benny Johnson. Because he's he's yeah, because he's he's always on the front. Always. And meaning that like. Taking a hit. But the business, <laughs> yeah. But it's also on the back. Like he's everybody knows him as Benny, the the guy out there doing ten of ten and stuff, but. The guy's got talent on stage, but give him a mic, you know? And I like him because he's, uh, he's selective of how much he kind of, because, you know, he has to balance both roles, you know what I mean? So, like, I have, I have a mad appreciation for him as just, like, uh, as an artist, but also overall just as, like, what he's done for the community. Then you go, like, someone, a technical artist, and it's funny, if anybody comes to one big jam, like, yeah, you're just naming the same people you invite up as your band, go figure, right? <laughs> that's well, right. that's the reason. Yeah, so, like, DJ Seasick. Yeah, man, so, so, that guy's on a that guy's on a whole different level. You know, he was like the yeah, Red Bull, like three style, yeah, like sure. World Finals, like all that type of stuff. And I think when they're Azerbaijan or something like that, it's like that guy's serious. And I love the guy. And these are all people that I just have, you know, great amount of appreciation, and respect for. And then when I was even talking about like the people that we bring into the group and the band on a regular basis, these are people I just love. Mm -hmm. I think they're good. I this is uh, one last thing. I don't care. I'm gonna say this. <laughs> No, this is important because I, I, I say this a lot when we do the teachings. Like, people think, like, I have to be good at something. It's like your character is, like, you know, talent is important. There's no doubt about it. But character is equally, if not more. Because, mm -hmm. like, you don't have to be the best at guitar or whatever, but, it's like, your character comes through, which includes who you are, how you are, just as a person, and how you are to the people around you and how the people on the stage, like, your chemistry. It's like, like I said, you have someone who's great at something, but if you bring them into a dinner conversation that's, is awkward. Not, not saying they're not the right fit or not the right person, but it's like sometimes if, especially if you throw ego in there, you could totally derail that conversation, right? 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 So it's like character is everything yeah. to me. So I, I also like to look for people that I actually really just like that. To be blunt, because we have our rehearsals in our house, 
to, to when we work together and our and our what we're like doing, like you got to be welcome in my house right, right, right. before you can be welcome in the band. First thing. Well, thanks for sharing a few people and telling us that they have the character to share your house. Yeah. No, that's, it's very important. Uh, my last... Oh, it seems like we have a question from Rubik's. And, and Ryan Rubik's the Guzman. Uh, that's the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Quick one. Actually, okay. I have mad respect for you, Rubik's. Quick question from Rubik's. So Chris, what are your thoughts about musically following trends versus just creating new sounds or just doing your thing? Or not worrying about other people's styles, new and old. Beautiful question. I don't know. It's just that. That's my answer. You don't know. I don't know. Again, it goes to the same thing we said before. I would say two. So let's say on one. I like starting with extremes. So following trends, carving your new path. Right. They all have their pluses and minuses. Realistically, you're gonna put yourself somewhere on the on the spectrum in between, right? I I always say. As you're making music, and there's probably more, there's three purposes to me. And I think I always encourage artists to think about this. Like, what's your purpose of making music? Is it purely artistic? Meaning, for lack of better terms, kind of like perhaps selfish or not, be like, I'm doing this because I want this. Are you doing it to become popular? Or are you doing it to make money? Mm -hmm. And it could be all three of those and somewhere in between. But it, when you, un and it doesn't have to be you as an artist, I'm here. It could be per song, per project. If you, you're like, oh, I don't know which one I want, do both as two separate projects. Have, have two different group names, have two different uh, project names, have mm -hmm. two different songs. You can do whatever you want. So like the idea is, the reason I say those ones particularly is like, if you're doing artistically, do whatever you want. You may not get the same range out there. You know, people may or may not appreciate what you do. Mm -hmm. That comes with the territory. If you're trying to be popular, you have to follow trends, yeah. right? You have to go in there and like, God knows how, like what I laugh right now is like, regardless of country music has trap beats, pop music has trap beats, gospel music has trap beats. Yeah. Trap, the trap is just kind of like, it's, but it's like, <laughs> like, you hear that in everything. <laughs> Again, it's like, it doesn't matter what style of music, right? And you look at the influence of hip hop music and just as a production mechanism or a method, how that's completely overtaken all music, mm -hmm. reggae music for the same matter, uh, for the same matter. You'd argue the same with rock and so on and so forth. And the last one is like for hire, there's nothing wrong. Like if, if you're hire, then you're working for, like you hire me to make a song. My job is I'm a client or you're my client. So I have to do your bidding, right? So mm -hmm. realistically, it's gonna be somewhere in between those three things right. and you can choose and you can change. Mm -hmm. So I have to step like a phone call. Is that your mom? Hey, mom. <laughs> hey, mom. She's like, obviously not watching, mom. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe she was asking me a question. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe next time. When we off camera, Mom. That's what she's trying, she's trying to answer me. <laughs> what did Chris say? Gin and tonic, he said? <laughs> no, we're good. But thank you so much for sharing. So, so Absolutely. My last questions, uh, like the last the question of the show is, why YYC? Why Calgary? Why should people pay attention? And if people are not paying attention right now, what to you to, seems to be missing, especially if you said so many times we have so much opportunities. That's exactly why. Why why I see right now is because I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little bit of a fence behind, let's say, 20 years ago. But like Calgary's had some really eclectic and really important music scenes come through. You know, be it, and I'm not I can't pinpoint because some of it was before I was born. Like in the, I think in the 60s, 70s, they had something going on. You know, like in the 90s, they had something going on. Different, like even early 2000s. Like you look at something like Feist coming out of Calgary. You know what I mean? Like 
often we don't think of her as a Calgary musician, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. World famous, you know? And so there's different scenes. Right now, Calgary has become kind of like this, this the way, this is, this is the analogy I always want to use, and this is the way I would look at it. It's a garden. Now, regardless if you're religious or if you're not or whatever, you can say God, universe, you're not in control of how things grow. You can only create the conditions for them to grow. Mm -hmm. So I'm very big on this, like, let's build this garden. Let's build this kind of thing. Watch it, tend it, protect it. Get people to, you know, vitaminize it, if that's even... <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, people to fertilize and, like, you know, add the water, add the sunshine, get the resources. Calgary's got all the raw... It's like this... Imagine walking to this kitchen and you have all the pots and pans. You have every single ingredient just sitting there. Some of them aren't ripe yet, right? Mm -hmm. And I, this is where we go in the method sessions, which is where we teach. This is, this is not my marketing thing. I'm a firm believer that if we start with 10-year-olds and teach them for 10 years, we will have a, one of the most killer music scenes perhaps in the world in 10 years. And the reason why, again, is that because we have all these assets, those are the ingredients now, what we have that I think other cities don't have is that a lot of them are already kind of off to the races. Mm -hmm. So you look at uh, Toronto, New York, or something like that, or Montreal, they already got some, they're already bubbling, there's competition, there's infighting, there's all stuff. I don't know, we of course have that in Calgary too, but it's, it's not quite the same. Like, there is this kind of, let alone like small examples, like there's a sense of everybody kind of like, let's do stuff. Like, there's this great community, great unity. Like I said, everybody's like two, three degrees of separation. Mm -hmm. That is what gives Calgary this potential competitive advantage to other cities and that's why for us like what we've been trying to do is try to purposefully shake hands with like even now like some of the main organizations like in the city that are uh, that support arts but also stay right at the ground roots and be like who are just this who's this person here right. this one person that nobody knows about and provide this stage for them to come up like wow we didn't even know you existed nobody knew you existed because you've never been on stage before it's happened a lot of times and then bring everything together and then we need some curation. Now, that's where I'm willing to take some of that role. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's what we do with water. But I, one big jam is not the end all be all of the city and like I don't think of it as such, but I want it to be at least one and if not the major hub eventually. I don't, I'm okay with that too of just like let's join together and make stuff. Let's, let's push the limits. And I always say like I love down the road that people go look back like way back in 2025, Calgary came up with like shrimp music or whatever it was, yeah. what type of music it was, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. so it's like, I want us to create new music and we have that opportunity because we're kind of untapped. We have raw resource here. Yeah. That's what it is. That's what it is. Chris Merrick, answer to why, what I see, great way to end this oh. interview. Appreciate that. Um, where can people find out more about you? One Big Jam. The one Big Jam. Series. Anything One Big Jam, luckily. Uh, yeah, and you know we have we have, some of the stuff needs some updating. There's no doubt, but like everything, one big jam. You go on Facebook, please. You know, actually follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. I did it. I was <laughs> no. <laughs> I was mocking everybody that says that stuff. Oh when we man. Started the interview. He was mocking. Oh man. Stuff, but you like, share, and subscribe. Like, share, um, and subscribe. Same for us. Always direct. I did it. <laughs> Let me jump right in. What an embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, you don't just you know. Talk to us, you know, join us, follow us on like, and the reason I say like Instagram is like that gives an opportunity to touch base. We're planning another one of the big, big, extra big events. And this one's going to be, I can't give too much info. This one's going to be focused on artists. Mm -hmm. And we really want this to be an opportunity for artists to showcase. And 
we want them to be actually part of the process of planning this event in some ways, or at least have input and insight into this and say, maybe what we're planning is so big, it has to be bigger than just this event, which is good. It'll spill over. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, get in contact, follow right. us, talk to us. Awesome. Yeah, let us know when that big event starts and then we're going to start sharing it and yeah. be part of it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us on our third episode of season three of YYC. Three, three. With the one and only Chris Merrick, I'm Telly Bomba, presented to you by YYC Records. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and a chat to you guys soon. Take care. Thank you again, by the way. Thank you. That was great. Let's hug okay. for them. Let's <laughs> hug for the Hey! Hug for the camera. You guys asked for it. Love you guys. Love you guys. few people who listen to us to me you know me by now your host Tilly Bomba probably the longest interview of our series of why what we see season three episode three with the one and only Chris Merrick but I have learned so much I hope you did too I hope there's a few takeaways let us know what you think in a comment uh, share with some fam and I hope you follow us on the social Instagram, Facebook, YYC Records. I'm your host, Telly Bomba. Thanks for kicking in with us. I'll chat to you in the next episode.